The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you're not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host. And before we start today's show, I would like to thank Harry and Sam for their recent donations. If you are able to help keep the show on the air, please go to achshow.com, click the banner at the top, or have a look at the three products from my publisher on the right-hand side. So today is Thursday. Of course, it's time for our weekly visit from our good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I am. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And folks, Peter and I have been um, doing a little bit of collaborative research in a few, min- few minutes we have before we started recording. Stumbled upon an interesting article from the Fitzpatrick Informer regarding the ancestry of Klaus Schwab. Now, there's been reports on the internet that this guy is an actual Rothschild. I thought that that was a little bit too neat and tidy, so I wasn't happy to go with that until I'd looked into it more. Uh, I did this morning. I've got this article. It seems to be a lot more detailed. It said that he's not a Rothschild, but there are other interesting links. So I've not read it all. I've been looking for certain bits for Peter, but I'll stick it in the show post so you can have a look and see what you think. But uh, that being said, Peter's got another very interesting topic today, bearing in mind what Trudeau's been doing in Canada, locking up peaceful protesters, setting the goon squad on them and uh, freezing their bank accounts. And that's all absolutely fine and dandy, according to, um, you know, the well, the, the, there's been no pushback from any other governments around the world saying, you know, that that's some sort of uh, Amnesty International aren't calling it out, for example. So today, the topic is the real story of the treasured tools of tyrants. Peter, where would you like to start us off with this topic? Andrew, all over the world, we've seen courageous individuals responding to the Great Reset with great resistance. But now we're seeing the Great Repression seeking to crush the resistance, not only in Canada, but also in Australia, New Zealand, in Europe, in the United States, and in South Africa. Even just this last Saturday, we had 100 vehicles in Cape Town doing a freedom convoy in uh, the capital, uh, uh, the legislative capital, Cape Town, in order to show solidarity with our friends in Canada. So all over the world, you can see tremendous resistance to the Great Reset, but also we're seeing great repression. And we're seeing the treasured tools of the tyrants. And as I consider, what are the tools, what are the tactics of these tyrants, and how can we best recognize and resist and respond to repression? Uh, 
Well, the tools of tyrants include boycotts and blacklisting and blame shifting and bullying and censorship and character assassination, discrediting, demonizing, distracting, defunding, and deplatforming, excluding economic warfare, fake news, false flags, gossip and gaslighting, lies and libel, sanctions and slander, intimidation and interference, toxic terminology, threats and terrorism, propaganda and psychological warfare, revolution and repression. These are treasured tools of tyrants. And in Canada, we can see Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, the head of the Liberal Party in Canada, he is using all of these favorite tools of tyrants uh, against those who disagree with him. So after almost two years of repressive rule in which the states claimed the power to determine who could work and when they could work and how they could work and where they could work and what they needed to wear and whether they were allowed to worship or not, and even what chemicals had to be injected into their body, there was understandably rising resistance. Well, instead of responding to the growing outrage over government overreach and intrusion into everyday lives of communities and congregations and families and individuals, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau decided to double down and bring even more repressive rules to crush the working class people such as the truckers. And if you're just left well enough alone, the Canadians must be some of the most peaceful and uh, calm uh, people on the planet. In fact, when you think Canadian before this year, we wouldn't have thought protest because <laughs> Canadians just didn't seem to do much protesting. And uh, they were a very law abiding population. And uh, they, they still are, of course. Uh, in fact, what we've seen uh, over this last month is, must be some of the most peaceful truckers and most peaceful demonstrations ever. The crime rate in Ottawa went down when the truckers arrived. They literally were cleaning the streets and scrubbing the monuments. Where do you find protests that peaceful and that positive? And um, when you looked at the uh, video footage of it, you could see the children playing on bouncy castles and people dancing in the streets and singing and um, playing ice hockey and, uh, you know, really and truly not quite the same as the BLM burn, loot, murder. No, that's not it. Ball, Lucifer, Moloch, what was it, BLM? Oh, that's right, Black Lives Matter. Uh, when they were out there burning, looting, murdering, going berserk, destroying billions of dollars worth of buildings and equipment and looting stores, uh, Justin Trudeau came out and took the knee and showed his public support and publicly uh, praised BLM and, in fact, gave the money. So, uh, you can see the double stands and hypocrisy, and of course that's part of the treasure tools of tyrants too, hypocrisy, double standards. But he has doubled down with even more repressive rules, crushing the working class people such as these Freedom Convoy truckers. So when tens of thousands of people rose up in the Freedom Convoy to demand an end to medical tyranny, an end to vaccine mandates, an end to the masquerade madness, hundreds of thousands of Canadians across the country came out and on overpasses and bridges on the sides of the freeways were enthusiastically cheering them, supporting the initiative, waving Canadian flags. Well, how did Trudeau respond? If he, if he was perceptive, if he was really liberal, if he was really a Democrat, he would have said, whoa, we are out of step with the people. We've overreached ourselves. Let's do what the Danes and the Finns and the 
Swedes and the Norwegians and even the English are doing, which is uh, just take the mandates away and uh, let the people go back to sleep because this is awakening a lot of resistance. But no, Justin Trudeau decided to respond with the treasure tools of tyrants. He slandered the truckers and he slandered their supporters. These people do not represent Canadians. These are not real Canadians. They are right-wing extremists, he said. They are racists, misogynists, white supremacists, science deniers, and Nazis. <laughs> well, um, that's normal. That's what you expect from tyrants. They slander the opposition. Socrates observed over 2,400 years ago, when the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the loser. And British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher would often repeat this quote when her opponents and critics resorted to the ad hominem arguments and slander. Because as in soccer, you meant to play the ball, not the man. If you kick a fellow player rather than kicking the ball, well, that's a foul. You're guilty. And in any debate, you should deal with the issue objectively, not attack the individual with whom you're having disagreement. And so ad hominem arguments is arguments against the person. So when you start to slander the person, you know, or shoot the messenger, as some people say, uh, what you're doing is you're ignoring the issue. In fact, as Margaret Thatcher pointed out, quoting Socrates, that slander is the tool of the loser. And she would sometimes thank people in the House of Commons, saying, thank you for proving my argument right. Now that you've resorted to ad hominem arguments, now that you're attacking me personally, and resorting to slander and smears, it's obvious that you don't have an argument to deal objectively with the issue. So thank you for agreeing that you've lost the debate. Because it's true, uh, slander is the tool of the loser of the debate. So rather than addressing the issues being protested against by the Freedom Convoy, Justin Trudeau chose to character assassinate the protesters. And then he blame shifted by hypocritically accusing the truckers of interfering with the economy. And interfering with everyday lives of people. <laughs> After two years of Trudeau's government suffocating the economy and suffocating people's everyday lives, interfering with everything with the lockdown lunacy and the masquerade madness and this COVID cult salvation by vaccination mandates, it's incredible that Trudeau could have the audacity to blame the very people who were trying to open up the economy and bring freedom back to everyone's daily lives. And he was blaming these protesters in the Freedom Convoy for the very policies he'd been enforcing, you know, stop locking down the city for a couple of weeks um, because I've been locking down the country for two years and I intend to lock it down for longer. So the, the whole mentality of, of uh, Trudeau, blame shifting. And of course, gaslighting, it's, it's a term which comes from the form gaslight from the 1930s with Ingrid Bergman in it. And gaslighting's entered the dictionary because that film so well portrayed how an abuser, in this case an abusive husband in, in the film Gaslight, was able to convince his victim that it was all the victim's fault. And so gaslighting has gone into uh, terminology as a way in which abusers blame the victims and get the victims to feel responsible for their own abuse. And so gaslighting is one of the words. There's also the Stockholm Syndrome. Guilt manipulation is another term you could use. And, of course, Trudeau does all of that. He gaslights. He continually blame shifts. He's continually marginalizing the people. He's bringing division. He's trying to wedge people, as they often say in Canada. And uh, what he is trying to do 
is wage uh, psychological warfare against the very people who are protesting against tyranny and accuse them of the very things he himself is responsible for. So, you know, it's the victim's fault. And then Trudeau is not satisfied with just slander and gossip and blame shifting and gaslighting. No, he mobilized his minions to persuade GoFundMe to freeze the money raised to support the Freedom Convoy. And obviously, you cannot have a demonstration like this with the price of fuel so artificially high, which is part of the Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 goal of making fuel so expensive to uh, basically make private transport uneconomical and unworkable, to force people to use only government uh, mass transport and not to have private transport. And so that's why worldwide we see artificially high um, prices for fuel, for gasoline and so on. Well, uh, obviously, for truckers to drive from Vancouver to Ottawa and from all over the country, they needed money for fuel. And uh, being the dead of winter in Northern Hemisphere, obviously, it's extremely cold and they need to keep engines running to not freeze to death and things like that. So they needed people to fund them. And incredibly, they received millions of dollars of support through GoFundMe. Well, Trudeau mobilized his millions to persuade the GoFundMe crowdfunding platform to freeze the money raised to support the Freedom Convoy. And to at, at first, GoFundMe not only froze the money, but then they said that they would um, allocate the money to other charities of their own choice, which could include BLM, for example. Well, a lot of pressure was brought to bear on them. And of course, the Texas Senator um, brought a case against the fact that obviously there's an American um, GoFundMe a group, and they are breaching a whole lot of uh, rules and laws uh, in the United States. But nevertheless, at this point, many of the people had then shifted over and were sending their support to Give, Send, Go, which is a Christian crowdfunding platform which charges nothing. Uh, whereas, uh, GoFundMe um, is secular and takes a heavy percentage for themselves. Um, the Give, Send, Go charges nothing, and they just depend on donations. They make sure that 100% of what is funded for the cause they start out to fund ministries, missions, churches, and so on. And uh, so uh, Give, Send, Go was going to forward all the funds raised to the protesters. Well, next thing, the Canadian government steps in and freezes those funds to prevent them getting to the very people that they've been designated for. So sanctions and economic warfare are always popular tools of tyrants. And I know that. I grew up in Rhodesia and South Africa, where we were subject to every kind of sanction, every kind of slander, every kind of economic warfare uh, from the New World Order, who obviously hated what we were doing. We were standing for freedom. We were standing against Soviet tyranny. We were defending ourselves against Marxist terrorism. And so um, I've learned from an early age how Marxists work, the, the tools, that these treasured tools of these tyrants, uh, obviously sanctions and slander are very much part of their treasure tools. Well, now we've seen Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau emulating the very communist Chinese dictatorship that he's expressed such admiration for. You can actually uh, watch the videos online. I think many of our listeners have, where Justin Trudeau was being asked, before he became Prime Minister, what country in the world uh, does he most admire, what former government? And he says, I've got to uh, say uh, China. And he said, the Chinese uh, have a, in his words, basic dictatorship, which he mentioned very positively. And they can turn the economy around like on a dime. They can really make things happen. And, and he was so effervescent and 
bubbly and enthusiastic as he is speaking about his admiration for China. And you think, is killing tens of millions of people worthwhile being able to do what you want without the inconvenience of democratic elections and law and order and uh, checks and balances and so on? So quite shocking that Justin Trudeau uh, expressed his admiration of all the 220-odd countries in the world that he would have chosen one of the most repressive dictatorships on the planet, that of communist China. Quite shocking. But you can see what he's doing right now is fully following the playbook of uh, our dear uh, communist Chinese because uh, they have a social credit system, which is what he's trying to work on now, where literally the government monitors everything. And if you expressed a unpatriotic critical view on something or you didn't express the, enough enthusiasm for uh, whatever it was in the Communist Party, you lose credits. And at a certain point, you lose all your freedoms, your your uh, everything from your accommodation, your job, and your uh, license to drive or whatever it may be to operate. All of these things are affected by a social credit system, which considers everything. At a certain point, your bank account gets frozen and uh, you can lose your freedom. You can end up in a labor, labor camp for that matter, uh, depending on, on how serious the infractions. That's the CCP, Chinese Communist Party's playbook. They work in the social credit system. And now Canada's working in that too, because he expressed such admiration for the basic dictatorship of China. Well, now Justin Trudeau has declared a state of emergency. He's mobilized this peace to bully and bludgeon the peaceful demonstrators in the streets of Ottawa, very much like how the Chinese government responded to Tiananmen Square students calling for freedom. And in fact, Justin Trudeau has now let it be known that the word freedom is subversive and it's code for white supremacy and right-wing extremism. So uh, you can't even use the word freedom without coming under scrutiny from the state tyrannical apparatus that he's been setting up. So we're seeing not only declaring a state of emergency, and mobilizing as peace with, and have you seen the pictures of these police? They dressed in battle gear, carrying weapons of war, and bear in mind the Chinese people are like the population in England, basically disarmed. And so what you've got in Canada is the state has a monopoly on weapons and force, not unlike that of, of Red China. And therefore, to see a line of these police facing peaceful, unarmed protesters, and they stand there with, with automatic assault rifles. And then there's a whole row of police in the front row with these big clubs, big wooden clubs, not little plastic battens, hulking great big clubs. And, uh, I mean, they look like poles that could form part of a long axe or spade or shovel. And, uh, you know, these are things just used to beat people with, long wooden clubs. And uh, uh, they've used them, by the way. And absolutely shocking that he's not only mobilized this police to bully and bludgeon the peaceful demonstrators in the streets of Ottawa, who guilty of nothing more than parking infractions in some cases, and many of the pedestrians aren't even guilty of that. They're just peacefully protesting, which you would have thought is part of the chartered rights of any Canadian. But he's gone further. He's frozen their bank accounts, confiscated their vehicles. They've walked around smashing windows of vehicles, including of, of a campus where people are obviously sleeping and living in, walked around there smashing windows, which, you know, you couldn't imagine police doing this, and uh, and towing trucks away and, uh, and confiscating these trucks. Now, these trucks represent the earning capability of these 
these truckers, in many cases, you've destroyed their livelihood, threatening to take away their licenses and their ability to operate as drivers, that they'll take away their driving licenses and their big rig licenses too, and not only confiscate their vehicles, but threatening to take away their children and place them under state-controlled welfare supervision and have their pets. Many truckers have pets, a dog and so on, in, in um, their truck with them. They're traveling across the country, and so many have pets, saying their pets will be assigned to shelters where they can be euthanized, if not claimed, within a few days. Now, not content with arresting peaceful protesters, Justin Trudeau's liberal government of Canada are determined to destroy the lives of not only the protesters, but even of those who supported them, even with small donations. The pettiness of this crackdown of the state of emergency is extraordinary. Not only was it not a state of emergency, in fact, nobody was injured or killed or anything until the uh, state of emergency was declared and, and uh, police have come and trampled underfoot people and uh, bludgeoned people. And uh, the only violence has come from the side of the state against the peaceful demonstrators. This is not like BLM or real violent demonstrators. This is where the violence is coming from the state against the demonstrators. But now we're seeing targeting even of the supporters, just like how Red China works. They have made available all the details of who supported the truckers with financial donations, no matter how small, through GoFundMe or Give, Send, Go, and they're putting out the details. Even some poor little mother, uh, single mother, um, who's gave a $50 donation, she's being shamed, attacked, and um, open to tremendous abuse. There's some poor woman who runs an ice cream shop, and she made a private donation to the truckers, as she said, just to keep some truckers warm uh, in winter. And next thing you know, with a donation of $250, now she's inundated with hate mail and uh, on social media and telephone ring off the hook with people screaming at her and shouting and swearing and cursing her and calling all kinds of horrible names and threatening to put bricks and petrol bombs through the window and destroy her business. And you know, just shocking. So this, which I believe they're called doxing, somehow uh, publishing uh, online, hacking in and um, making a person's uh, support known uh, online uh, to open them up to intimidation, bullying, abuse, peer pressure, and so on. Now, all of this has been possible by the pervasive propaganda which has demonized simple working-class people who wanted their lives back. So fake news has enabled Trudeau's tyranny. He couldn't get away with this if it wasn't for the fake news. And false flags. There's always false flags used by these folks, and uh, they like to bring out the fact that the odd person at some of these rallies has been seen to have a Confederate flag, which should be an honorable flag, but they're trying to make that out to be a bad thing, and a swastika. Now, the only people carrying a Confederate flag or swastika happen to be wearing full-face masks, so you couldn't even see the eyes. And uh, interestingly, the person who got these pictures was Justin Trudeau's personal photographer, which is <laughs> awfully convenient and amazing. And it makes you wonder if these weren't just agent provocateurs placed there for photo op in order to give the government some kind of chance of demonizing the enemy. And of course, this is the way tyrants work. These are amongst the treasure tools of tyrants. And they, they love to weaponize words and they like to make terminology toxic. And so Trudeau has managed to distract many from the primary message of the thousands of truckers and the hundreds of thousands of their supporters and distract from the primary goals 
that they've been standing for, which is freedom and end the mandates and uh, let our lives get back to normal and give us back our lives and, and so on. They just, you wouldn't think that's very extreme. And they're only asking for what many governments around the world have already done, which is end the mandates and let the people get back to work and back to their lives and stop requiring COVID passports and mandatory vaccinations to keep the job, no job, no jab and all of this. And some of the people had posters on the side of their uh, big rigs uh, stating no communism for Canada, uh, which is obviously a good cause. So it would seem that the liberal prime minister, Justin Trudeau of Canada, is using George Orwell's 1984 book as a manual rather than recognizing it as a warning of the tyrannical tools and tactics to be avoided. George Orwell warned of the danger of totalitarian governments and of the subversion of language, where the Ministry of Truth, or mini-truth, could deal with lies and propaganda and demonize language, demonize and subvert language. And uh, that's why they could use terms like war is peace and ignorance is knowledge and slavery is freedom. And then, of course, you've got the Ministry of Plenty. And uh, the Ministry of Plenty, or mini-plenty, deal with rationing and ensure starvation, just like the Ministry of Truth, mini-truth, demonize the opponents of the state and make them unpersons and vaporize them and ensure that their message and identity disappears down the memory hole. I mean, these are all terms that Orwell uh, pioneered uh, in his book 1984, which was published in 1948. And the Ministry of Love, or mini-love, well, they uh, mini-love deals with uh, actually torture. Ministry of Love tortures the people and suppresses all dissent. And just like the Ministry of Truth distorts all media and rewrites history and deals and lies, the Ministry of Plenty organized the rationing and shortages and sure starvation. And those who question the newspeak of Big Brother are guilty of thought crimes, and they'll be prosecuted by thought police. And the enemies of the revolutionary state will be vaporized or become unpersons, disappear down a memory line, much like being de- uh, deplatformed today, or be deleted by big tech social media platform censors, as we're seeing today. Uh, so, uh, and Ministry of Peace, well, of course, Ministry of Peace deals with war. So the complete subversion of language, we can see this uh, in how Justin Trudeau and his liberal governments of Canada are dealing with all this. And so in the name of democracy, peaceful protests of many tens of thousands of Canadians are suppressed. In the name of law and order, the rule of law is suspended and effective martial law is enforced. And those who normally trumpet tolerance are crushing dissent and outlawing freedom of assembly and outlawing freedom of speech and forbidding freedom of conscience and overruling freedom of worship and freedom of opinion and freedom of the press. All these are under attack in the name of tolerance and democracy. Even journalists have been warned not to cover the police actions and journalists have been attacked and arrested. So what we're seeing right now in Canada is is all of this at work. We're seeing uh, the tools of tyrants. We're seeing their treasure tools and they are doing just what we've seen through the ages. And we know how they, they love boycotts, just like that it's sports boycotts of Rhodesia. We weren't allowed to take part in Olympics and uh, we weren't allowed to take part in uh, the Commonwealth Games and so on, or even not even the paraplegics games. They did that to South Africa too, blacklisting, uh, making uh, some people uh, not able to be employed and so on. This is this is the way uh, tyrants work. Blame shifting. It's always someone else's fault. Blame the victim, gaslight them, bullying people. You don't listen, we're going to hurt you. 
and we're going to hurt your business. We're going to destroy your life. We're going to confiscate your vehicle. We're going to take away your license. We're going to freeze your funds. We're going to come after your kids, and we're going to even take away your dogs and pets, and we're going to euthanize. I mean, this kind of bullying sort of reminds you of how the Rothschild-run Anglo-Boer War in 1899 to 1902, they couldn't beat the Boer commanders in the field, so they took the war to the families and the children, locking them up in concentration camps, and uh, basically genociding the Boer women and children. Six to seven times more women and children died in the Anglo-Boer War in the British camps as soldiers of the uh, Boer, the Transvaal and Free State armies, died in in uh, combat. So absolutely horrific when you can take the war against the civilians and instead of dealing with the man in war, you are going against his family. And uh, in this case, even his pets, which is just absolutely reprehensible. Of course, they always love censorship and the thought police are busy. But the tactic that I see them using a lot of is character assassination. They try to discredit and demonize us because they cannot deal with the issues we raise. Therefore, they choose character assassination. And um, Mark Twain observed, a lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still getting its boots on. When he said that back in the 1800s, a lie can travel eight times around the world today before truth's got its boots on. The great Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, said, believe not half you hear, repeat not half you believe. And when you hear an evil report, halve it, then quarter it, then say nothing about the rest of it. The great reformer, John Calvin, declared, no greater injury can be inflicted upon men than to ruin their reputations. And this really is one of the treasure tools of tyrants. They want to ruin the reputation of their opponents. It's not enough for them to to say, we don't agree with you and we disagree with you and we think you're wrong and for these reasons. No, they don't play the ball, they play the man. They attack the person. They seek to ruin their reputation. And so they use all the different words like Justin Trudeau used, right-wing extremists, racist, misogynist, white supremacist, science deniers, Nazis. And these are the tools of tyrants. They, they're not dealing with the issue. They're using slander, the, the tool of the loser of any debate. Thomas Brooks, a Puritan, wrote, of all the members in the body, there's none so serviceable to Satan as the tongue. Charles Spurgeon wrote, the more prominent you are in Christ's service, the more certain you are to be the butt of calumny. I've long ago said farewell to my character. I lost it in the early days of my ministry by being a little more zealous than suited a slumbering age. And I've never been able to regain it, except in the sight of him who judges all the earth and the hearts of those who love me for my work's sake. And John Calvin said uh, that uh, there is nothing so slippery and serviceable and loose as the tongue. The scriptures command us to slander nobody and to be peaceable and considerate and to show humility, to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So gossip and malice go together. And it's shocking that so many people are willing to believe the worst about those whose main crime is that they are resisting new world order and they're speaking out against evil. And so I see people who are not willing to face us in debate, but are willing to go around and try and undermine our support base and convince churches not to support our mission because they say, do you know that he's a racist and he's a Nazi and he's a uh, evil person, and uh, uh, he hurt some people's feelings and things like this. And 
it's whoever gossips to you will gossip of you. And um, today it's more common to publish slanders than to silence or rebuke them. King David wrote in Psalm 101 verse 5, whoever slanders his neighbor, him I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him I will not endure. And uh, if only we had that attitude in many churches today. You know, it's very easy to score goals when the other team's not in the field. But, you know, you could be on an empty field and score 100 goals, and it means nothing because the other team's not in the field. Now, to score one goal during a World Cup soccer, not that that's a major achievement because you've got a whole team dedicated to stopping you scoring goal, to protecting their goal. But uh, this is why uh, the Bible says the first to present his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. And this is the problem. We've got so many people willing to believe an ill report. And uh, I think we need to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, the golden rule is, in everything do to others as you want them to do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. We are commanded in the Bible to forgive, uh, to pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And the Lord said, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men your sins, their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. That's in Matthew 6. So we are meant to be people who continually are keeping a short account so that we're not holding grudges against others. And yet there's so many Christians willing to do the work of the devil, who's the accuser of the brethren, by walking around sharing slander. And of course, in a day of social media, sharing slander is easier than ever before. And people can forward it to who knows how many people and post it on their page and all sorts of things and cause a lot of trouble. I was warned early on in my Christian walk that uh, when God gives you something important to do, the devil sends people to waste your time. And it's certainly so. While we're busy fighting for our lives for our faith and for our freedom, there are others, Christians, who don't seem to be that busy, if at all, in fighting the new world disorder or in fulfilling the Great Commission or seeking first the kingdom of God, but they seem to think that their most important task is to undermine those Christians who are busy doing the work, and they think that they've got the angels on their side. They're normally very self-righteous people. And why do we continue to place such value upon people's opinions? When you consider that mass murdering tyrants like Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong were often man of the year of Time magazine, not just once, Mao Zedong, the biggest mass murderer in history, and Joseph Stalin, the second greatest mass murderer in history, both were man of the year of Time magazine or Slime magazine many times. And uh, so uh, it is a fact that in history, people who make a strong stand are going to be libeled. And in fact, the more prominent you are, and the more successful you are, the more you will be uh, criticized. And in fact, Dr. James Kennedy said in his book, Delighting God, if you rise just a little bit above the common herd, if you advance and achieve just a modicum more success than your neighbors, most surely those barbs of criticism are coming your way. To avoid criticism, do nothing. Say nothing. Be nothing. There is no defense against reproach except obscurity. If I try to read, much less answer all the criticisms made of me and all the attacks leveled against me, this office would have to be closed to all other business. I do the best I know, the very best way I can, and I mean to keep on doing this down to the very end. But if the end brings me out all wrong, 10 angels swearing I've been right would make no difference. And if the end brings me out all right, then what is said against me now will not amount to anything. So we need to recognize that, that 
criticism is part of the price of success. And, you know, just look, the more prominent the ministry, the more successful a person, the more they're going to be attacked. And we see this with some of the most prominent ministries I can think of. Dr. James Kennedy, James Dobson, folks in the family, uh, all the way through. Uh, and you can think uh, they who have achieved the most are the most criticized. And it's a fact of history. At one time, George um, Whitfield was excluded from the Church of England. Interesting, George Whitfield is the name of the College of the Church of England here in South Africa now. We now one of the greatest evangelists of all time, key figure in the great evangelical awakening, was excluded from preaching within the Church of England. And yet now the Church of England has named a Bible college after him. And there was a time that Charles Spurgeon was actually excommunicated from the Baptist Union in England because of his stand against the downgrade controversy and making a stand against liberalism. And so interesting that today uh, we actually have uh, Charles Spurgeon's statue outside the Baptist Union headquarters and his books are textbooks in the Baptist colleges. But in his day, he was slandered and condemned. And you could say the same about uh, Martin Luther and about John Calvin and many others. Uh, in fact, when I started to organize our Reformation Day events, I was immediately confronted with entire websites attacking Martin Luther dedicated to depicting Martin Luther as an anti-Semite, responsible for the Holocaust and all this sort of thing. What an ignorance of history, blaming him for the suppression of the uh, the peasants' revolts where over 100,000 people died and blaming him for things that he spoke against and which he opposed. And incredible to see the hostility to the man whom God used to bring back the Bible and to bring greater freedom than the church had ever known before, and the man who God used to bring about the Reformation, and the condemning of, of him, William Carey, the father of modern missions, tremendously slandered, and uh, even by people who are meant to come in and support and help and work with him, uh, Hudson Taylor, demonized, slandered. When David Livingston came back from his first missionary journey in Africa, he was received as a great hero in Britain, and he even was received by Queen Victoria. But on the second missionary journey, they sent the so-called dream team with him, which included Dr. Kirk and uh, the uh, and his own brother and uh, the greatest artist of the Victorian era, uh, Thomas Baines, uh, to particularly um, draw Victoria Falls and so on. And uh, one by one, all of these European dream team experts uh, gave up and returned to Britain. And apparently they all slandered David Livingston. So when David Livingston, who continued years after everyone else had given up in the field. When he finally returned to England, Livingston was treated like a pariah, yesterday's hero. He was not received by anyone at the docks. No one saw him off when he headed off on his third and last missionary journey. Nobody waved goodbye. He went to Africa. And um, in fact, if it wasn't for the American journalist, Henry Morton Stanley, David Livingston could have died in obscurity. But Stanley found him, brought back his books, his uh, uh, geographic um, calculations, map work, and so on, and ensured that his mission succeeded by rehabilitating much of his character to a world that had chosen to believe the worst about him from those deserters who hadn't stayed the course and didn't have the stamina uh, in the field. And that's why we need to recognize that one of the most treasured tools of tyrants is slander. It's, it's a blame shifting. It's character assassination to discredit and to demonize their opponents in order to distract people uh, from the real issues. So I think that this is a an interesting 
quote uh, from Teddy Roosevelt, then I'll hand back to you, uh, Andrew. The American president, Teddy Roosevelt, wrote, it's not the critic that counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbled, nor where the dear doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who, at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while doing greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And so everything in life is a test of character, and we must expect opposition, and we should expect these tools to be employed against us. We should not be too discouraged or distracted, and certainly we should not allow ourselves to be derailed from the fight for faith and freedom, uh, for truth and liberty, uh, because we know that tyrants through the ages, it's recorded in the Bible, it's recorded in history, and now we see it today in Canada, and Justin Trudeau is just the latest of a long line of tyrants who show that when the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the loser and he's responding to great resistance with great repression. But we know inevitably he will lose. The day will come when Jesus Christ will return. He will judge the living and the dead. And he will put things right. And he will crush the wicked. As Psalm 2 tells us about those kings of the earth who conspired together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their bonds from us. Let us cast their cords far from us. The Lord in heaven laughs. Who are these puny men? They might think they're big men. The Bilderbergers, the Illuminati, the Council of Foreign Relations, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, Justin Trudeau and his cabinet and Canada. They may think they're big and powerful, but the day will come when Almighty God will call him to account. And we read that when he returns, he will destroy the armies of Antichrist and he will crush the oppressor. And uh, uh, every knee will be forced to bow to him and every tongue will be forced to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that will include Justin Trudeau. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, I'm just going to mention, I'm not going to include that Fitzpatrick informal article for you because I want to draw your attention to something else I'll get to in a moment. But I will say, if you just go to a search engine, I wouldn't use Google personally, try something like a quant, QUA. NT or web crawler, which is what I use. Just type in Fitzpatrick Informer Klaus Schwab and you should uh, come up with it there. Uh, but before I get on to what I've just found, which is pretty uh, groundbreaking, uh, I want to draw your attention to Peter's other websites because he referred to Henry Morton Stanley, David Livingston. He always closes the show mentioning how you can contact him and his Frontline Fellowship website, but he has other websites. And that is the Reformation Society website. That is the Christian Action website. The Christian Liberty Books website. And the people he just referred to, as Peter said, you've got to keep people's memories alive. If there's somebody out there that has done great things, then they need to be remembered so their work is not forgotten. And that is why Peter has a Livingston Fellowship website after David Livingston and a Henry Morton Stanley School of Christian Journalism website so uh peter any other comments on that before i move on to this article i found 
No, yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, there might be some thinking who are some of the people I've mentioned. And um, I actually wrote a book just on on the issue of character assassins, dealing with ecclesiastical tyrants and terrorists. And um, I had eight people, in fact, contribute to writing this book and about 300 page book, Character Assassins, which is also available as an ebook. But it's just, just there's so many people are discouraged. And I've uh, obviously, you know, when you hear people lie about you and, and suddenly misrepresent your best intentions in the worst light and come out with uh, crimes that you meant to have committed, which you had never even imagined, uh, many people are, of course, uh, are shocked, horrified. And that's the goal of bullies and character assassins. They, they're wanting to freeze you into paralyzed, like uh, rabbits in the headlights, uh, just frozen in the middle of the road while the car's bearing down them. Many people react like that. And so we, we need to understand these are their tools and tactics. They will use them, and we should not be so surprised or shocked, and we mustn't allow ourselves to be too depressed. But also, we should be more discerning. Uh, when when we hear friends or trusted communicators who've been fighting the resistance, when we hear them slandered, we mustn't uh, immediately assume the worst. Uh, let's bear in mind the source from where things come. And when you get the lamestream, mainstream media and so on coming out with some kind of uh, accusations, you, you can't assume it's right. You've got to assume it's false. It's just uh, there's so many warnings in the Bible against being deceived. And uh, so uh, let's stand up for one another also. And uh, when we hear uh, any uh, good freedom fighter, resistance uh, person uh, being slandered, um, recount to the people their achievements and their positive things. You can break the cycle of this uh, gossip and this character assassination of these pathological antagonists when you understand how they work. And so it's just another way of um, know your enemy and know his tactics. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And now what I found, this is from the World Economic Forum website, and it is a PDF, so you can download it. It's only three pages, and it's the Professor Klaus Schwab fact sheet. Now at the top it just says Professor Klaus Schwab and then you've got four short columns with years at the top. I'm going to read each of those for you quickly. 1971. Founder and Executive Chairman World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum, committed to improving the state of the world, is the international organisation for public-private cooperation. The forum engages the foremost political, business and other leaders of society to shape global, regional and industry agendas. The World Economic Forum today is the foremost global multi-stakeholder organisation, employing more than 600 people in Geneva, New York, Beijing and Tokyo. 1998, co-founder together with his wife Hilda, Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship. The Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship provides unparalleled platforms at the regional and global level to highlight and advance leading models of sustainable social innovation. It identifies a select community of social entrepreneurs and engages it in shaping global, regional and industry agendas that improve the state of the world in close collaboration with the other stakeholders of the World Economic Forum. So it's a big club and we're not in it. And then 2004, founder Forum of the Young Global Leaders that we've all been talking about in the alternative media. Let's see what they say about them here. The Forum of Young Global Leaders, the YGL, is a multi-stakeholder community 
30 to 40 years old, of exceptional young leaders who share a commitment to shaping the global future. Each year, the World Economic Forum identifies 100 extraordinary individuals worldwide to join the YGL community for five years. Today, they form a powerful international community of over 1,000 young leaders having a significant impact on our global future. Well, it was set up in 2004, so of course we're nearing 2,000 today, if they're doing 100 a year. But this is what really jumped out at me. Folks, I've repeatedly said on this show that in my opinion, all these Black Lives Matter, Antifa rights and what have you that were Soros funded. You heard the stories, you heard audio of them where, where, that leaked out where they were talking to each other. Oh, if you get arrested, you just give this number. They'll phone that up and you're straight back out on the street. Listen to this, because I maintain that this is an international force deployed throughout the world. The governments of the, the country where countries where these people operate can't be seen to be paying them directly, but they certainly leave them alone. And have a thought as I read this to you, if this could indeed be referring to Antifa. 2011, found a global shapers community. The global shapers community is a global network of local communities, hubs, of young people, 20 to 30 years old, who are exceptional in their potential achievements and drive to make a contribution to their communities. Hubs are based in each major city around the world. There are currently over 450 hubs established globally. The community is vitalised by the manifold interactions generated between each hub, between hubs, and on a global level. So 450 hubs, they're based in every major city around the world, doesn't tell you how many of these 20 to 30 year olds are in each hub. Peter, do you think that's pretty amazing information? It's very amazing information, and... Uh, many of our listeners may have already seen the video. If not, they should seek it out where where Klaus Schwab at Harvard University in the John F. Kennedy School of Government makes the statement as he talks about how we've infiltrated every government. And that's what he is, infiltrate, penetrated uh, governments. And he, and he mentions his favorite protege uh, that he's mentored of Justin Trudeau of Canada. And he states, we have half more than half, he then adds, of the cabinet of Canada, uh, all part of of this group uh, of the World Economic Forum. So, yes, we see it in Cape Town. In fact, I've got documentation that's been shown to me that even in Cape Town, in our city government, in the mayor's office, through even even in our province in the Western Cape, and of course in South Africa, there are disciples of Klaus Schwab believing in the Great Reset, believing in Agenda 21, openly talking about implementing Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, UN Sustainable Goals, right here. So there's no doubt that they've they've got their, their people well uh, operating. I know this for many countries around Africa. We know that they've got their people, uh, sadly in Zambia, we know in Zimbabwe, all over the place. I know of places where there are people openly promoting the UN Agenda 21, Agenda 2030 in Africa, even in my city. So, yes, this is pervasive. And this is not a conspiracy theorist. I mean, bear in mind, Klaus Schwab wrote the book 
COVID-19 and the Great Reset. And he wrote the book on the fourth industrial revolution, which we spoke about last week. And uh, it is it is in his own writings. And he speaks about openly. They, they're not hiding this. These are not theories. This isn't somebody making an accusation. We're quoting from Klaus Schwab himself. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And before we go, can you please uh, let the audience know how they can contact you and where they can find your work? Yes, thank you. My email, my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za or peter at frontline.org.za, as Americans would say. Our website's www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org. If you're interested in these tools of, or one of the biggest tools is character assassination. I've written a book on character assassination dealing with ecclesiastical tyrants and terrorists. You can get hold of that on the frontlinemissionsa.org website. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, sorry, I, I was looking at something else. Did you mention how people can contact you there? Yes, um, peter at frontline.org.za or mission at frontline.org.za. Either will work. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't listening, so I was just lining this up. Before we go, I want to reiterate again, folks, I know how much you appreciate Peter on our weekly show. I do too. But please take time to go into any of the show posts I put out with Peter. His websites are listed. You know the Frontline Fellowship. That's the main one. But just have a look for a few minutes. The Reformation Society website. Henry Morton Stanley School of Christian Journalism website. Livingston Fellowship website. Christian Action website. Christian Liberty Books website. They're all listed in the links to Peter's website in each one of the show posts. So please take advantage of that. And also, please download that World Economic Forum Klaus Schwab fact sheet because I really think that we are onto something there. So that being said, I want to thank Peter so much for joining us today for a show entitled The Real Story of the Treasured Tools of Tyrants. I want to thank all of you for listening. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I'll of course be back with you all tomorrow. And until then folks, have a wonderful day and bye for now.